Hi friend, my name is Lane Kennedy and this podcast that you're listening to is called Recover Like a Mother. Yeah, that's right. I'm really excited to bring this podcast to you. I have contemplated, uh, sat on it. It's swirled around my brain for years and finally here it is. And it, what's really funny is that I about a month and a half, two months ago, I started on this journey of like, I am going to do a new podcast. I've had several podcasts in my past talking to biohackers and health people and meditation teachers and highly successful entrepreneurs, women in business. I've, I've had a lot of fun with this medium. And so about, you know, two months ago, I, I decided, okay, I'm going to do a podcast about mindful living. And I started it. I, I was like, okay, I'm going on this journey and I'm going to do this and it's going to be great. And I got behind the mic and I had this really pivotal moment and I, and I had the conversation with this person. And during the conversation, I, I was inside my, my gut sunk. And I thought, this is not the conversation that I want to be having. And so I had to put things on pause and I had to go back to my coach and say, I'm pulling the plug. And he was like, what, what do you mean? Uh, and I just, I, I kind of reset and was like, okay, what is it that I'm super passionate about and can talk about all day long? What am I afraid of talking about? What am I not willing to, um, share with others or what am I willing to share with others? Like I started asking myself all of these questions and what happened was this recover like a mother. There is so much happening in the recovery space right now. When I talk about recovery, for me, I haven't had a drink or a drug, mind altering substance or a Snickers bar since 1996. <laughs> and I've been really lucky to hang on to that uh, sobriety date and to stay in recovery. I've worked really hard and it's never perfect. I mean, seriously, my recovery has waxed and waned and melted. Uh, but what's been continuous is that I've stayed in recovery and been really diligent about working a spiritual program. And so when I had this aha moment of like, that's not the conversation that I want to have about being mindful and meditation. I want to have this conversations about recovery. I was like, I felt lit up. I had this this is the conversation that I want to share with the world. These are the voices that need to be heard right now. Women who are in recovery, right? So I am going to attempt to share with you the voices, the mothers of recovery right now. When I got sober, it was told to me that I couldn't talk about my sobriety, that I was to keep my anonymity. And I did that for many, many years. And I'm really grateful that I did that because I was wobbly, unstable in my recovery. And as the years have passed and now decades, it's crazy. I've really come to know and understand that this is a spiritual evolution and I'm just a part of it. And I, although I'm not breaking my anonymity, I am breaking it. I am proud to say that I am a mother in recovery and that I do not use alcohol and drugs, uh, that I am a recovering perfectionist. I am okay with that. And it's taken me years to kind of own that. So why this podcast, right, is to share this wonderful, incredible movement of women in recovery. 
So if you are a woman, a mother in recovery, I hope that you will hang out with me. I hope that you'll get to know me and you'll get to learn from some of the guests that I bring in. And what's going to be covered in, in these episodes are stories, right? What happened, what it was like, where the dips are, how do we recover? How do we recover when we're diagnosed with an additional illness? How do we recover when a child dies? How do we recover when we find ourselves going through a divorce, right? How do we recover? There's so many avenues that we go through, so many obstacles, so many challenges, but there is a constant theme throughout, and that is we are sober. We do not drink. We do not hurt ourselves with mind-altering substances. So this podcast is really sharing these stories and this wisdom of life. I also want to bring to light practitioners that work with women around recovery. So through my, you know, years of recovery, I've had the opportunity to do a lot of crazy stuff. (laughs) I've worked with shaman. I've um, gone into hypnosis. uh, I've worked with crystal healer. Like I've done all kinds of fun things because I, I was just on a journey of seeking and discovery. And so from time to time, I will have, you know, these guests on that can come and share about the modalities, you know, and, and what it looks like. What does it look like when you are addicted to opiates and you can't get off, but then ketamine comes into play? What does it look like when you're offered THC from your doctor? What does that look like? Right? So I'm hoping that you'll be able to hear these conversations and learn from them. I'm really excited about this because, you know, the longer I'm in recovery, the more I, I need to know, I need to find things to help me move through life with more grace. I hope that makes sense to you. And if it doesn't just keep listening, right? Just keep listening. The next thing that I want to share is that every week I want to release an episode. That's my goal. But if it doesn't happen, please don't get upset. There will be another one. But my goal right now is to be able to share with you 52 weeks of amazing speakers and content. Sometimes it's just going to be me flying solo here. And sometimes I'll share a meditation with you perhaps. But my goal is to share 52 solid weeks of beautiful stories and beautiful guests talking about this road to recovery. So how might you get involved? Hmm. Well, are you in recovery? Do you work with people in recovery? Are you interested in sharing your story? I would love to hear from you. Please feel free to reach out. Who should listen to this? I mean, perhaps you have a sister that drinks a bottle of wine and she's just kind of like, sis, I'm not feeling great anymore. Perhaps this is a podcast that you could share with her. Perhaps, you know, you have a neighbor and you can hear her through the walls. You could share this with her. Maybe it's just you and you're looking for spiritual growth. You want to hear perspective from different women. I mean, we're going to be talking about parenting. We're going to be talking about marriages. We're going to be talking about jobs, career ladders. What happens in a life of recovery? Everything. Seriously, everything. So I hope that you will stick around and hang out and listen and enjoy and share with others. Now, 
let's get into my story. So like I said, I haven't had a drink or a Snickers bar or any mind crazy altering substance since 1996. I've had, I mean, really I've had continuous sobriety, which is not of my doing. It's a miracle. Sometimes I'm just like, how is this happening? But it is the truth. I have not hurt myself through alcohol, drugs, or mind altering substances, Snickers bars being a part of that in a long time. And I do this by practicing all types of spiritual outlets. But before I got here, I was drinking every day. I would drink and then I would stop. I would drink and then I would stop. And I love red wine. Oh, my friend. I love red wine. I love vodka, like vodka with a twist. Mm. Yes. Sometimes my mouth waters when I see lemons because I used to do these vodka gimlets. They just be vodka and a twist of lemon. It's just like, oh my God. But every time I drank, every time I would literally um, find myself sick, you know, I would be puking. I would be hungover the next day. Uh, It wasn't glamorous now that I look back at it, but when I was in it, my life looked normal. Uh, I lived in Los Angeles. My career okayed, right? My, my career was like, here, go ahead and drink this. You're in the, you're in the club. That's right. You should drink more. The people around me were drinking and using, and it was normal, right? It was normal to be hungover at work. It was normal, (laughs) to say, oh, I can't make it today. And so um, I did that for uh, many times, many, many years. You know, I started drinking when I was in the seventh grade and I stopped in my late twenties. So it's drinking was a big part of my life. And then I stopped and I wasn't looking to stop because I didn't think I had a problem. I made a lot of money. I lived in a big house in the Hollywood Hills and uh, I drove a really fancy car I had the pedigree dog, like I had all the stuff, but what I do really, really remember is how broken I felt on the inside, how I just, uh, it was like, I cried every night. So I'm really, really grateful that I, by chance got sober on a freezing cold night in a church basement at a mutual aid meeting. And they said, here's a cup of coffee and some cookies. And I thought, yes, this is awesome. And then they said, here, sit in the front row. And I was like, that's right. They think I'm important. And it was just really, really like those early days of my recovery were so fun. And I remember like looking at people and seeing the whites of their eyes. Like I had never seen that before but they were so beautiful and and happy. Everybody was so happy. Everybody wanted to hug me. And I was just like, whoa, I don't hug. (laughs) Now I'm a hugger. Um, It was just, you know, I I would sit there and listen to the stories and identify with, with what they were saying and things that they were doing and driving, you know, driving drunk. Getting sober was literally the best thing that could have happened to me. I don't look back at that time with regret. I don't, I just, it fills me with so much joy and happiness. And there's so many relationships that I still have from my early recovery. It's like, I can't believe I've had friends for 20 years because when I was drinking and using my friends would come and go very quickly. Nobody was steady. Nobody was permanent. 
So the fact that I've had these relationships for so long is just incredible. So I ended up getting sober in Los Angeles. And the thing with LA sobriety, it's like I walked into a room where people were in my industry and I thought, oh my God, what, what is, what is she doing here? What is he doing here? And I identified with them like, what these you're an alcoholic. How's that possible? But I just, I just kept going every day. And I, again, I started identifying and really feeling and hearing and recognizing that they were the same as me and that they, they hadn't drank. And then 30 days had gone by and I hadn't, I hadn't pulled the curtains down or I hadn't hit the car again, or I actually could feed my cat by myself. Um, I could go to the grocery store. Uh, I got my bills paid on time. I showed up to work and nobody was like, where is she? You know, like it just started happening and unraveling and my life was getting better. And it was a magical experience. And then 9-11 hit and 9-11 hit. I decided that, okay, there's gotta be, there's just, wait a minute, that the world is, we're in a really bad place. The world is falling apart and I didn't know what to do with myself. And I landed, I was like, I'm out of here. So I packed my bag, sold all my goods, told everybody in my community I was leaving. And I landed in Bangkok. I landed in not, well, I landed in Bangkok. And then I landed in a, uh, a temple, a Buddhist Wat about six hours in the middle of um, Thailand. And I sat and I thought to myself, this is the life that I, this is where I'm at. This is it. This is what I'm doing. I'm going to shave my head and I'm going to, uh, just give myself to service and live off the land. And I'm going to chant at four o'clock in the morning and it's going to be great. So I did that. I ate from coconut bowls with ants all over them, uh, bathed in mud holes, slept on a wooden pillow with, uh, on off of cement beds, uh, mopped the, the temple floors and sat uncomfortably meditating. And it was a, it was an awakening. It was this, like, is this my life? Is this, did I get sober to do this? <laughs> is this, is this what I'm doing here now? Really? And, you know, that was a, a mad, again, another magical experience where I just, I sat and I listened and I ended up leaving the Watt. But what happened there was this experience where I felt connected. I felt connected to this presence that is in my life today. It was this door opened to this connection and that connection, that awareness, um, you know, it, it comes and goes according to my practice. It's always there, but I guess the strength of it, you know, sometimes the strength is weak and sometimes it's really strong. And the difference between the two feelings is how much how much work I'm putting into my program, how much work I'm putting into my recovery. And so for me, it's been, uh, constant. Like I have to constantly stay in spiritual literature. I have to be in a prayer or meditation, right? There's all kinds of things that I have to do for my program. So I'm going to fast forward a little bit. If you're still listening, I hope you're still listening. I had my son when I was, let's see, 20, let's see, what, 14 years sober, I guess, or 13 years sober. I can't remember, but I, I believe that there's this, this zone in between 10 and 15 where the lights start flickering and going out a little bit. And for me, it happened. And I ended up 
having my son and then postpartum hit. And when I say the lights start hit, flickering, it's, it's like, there's this, mm, I kind of lost my program. I lost my community. I was kind of like, eh, I'm done with that. I don't really need to do that anymore, but I didn't pick up a drink. I just kind of drifted. I wasn't really working a spiritual program. I was just drifting. And so I had my son. And when I had my son, my life like blew up. I was also operating a, uh, a startup, a lingerie company that I loved and we were doing really well and things were going like just full speed ahead. And, you know, I had my son and postpartum kicked in and I thought I am going to die. Like I literally thought I'm going to die. And that was a turnaround in my recovery. I sought outside help. And, you know, before then I hadn't really, I was like, mm, I don't need outside help. I can do this. I got this. But what I didn't understand is that, you know, there is when a chemical imbalance occurs in the brain, for me, I can't pray and meditate and like, I, I can't do it enough to change that imbalance. So I actually went on uh, doctor prescribed postpartum, some uh, antidepressant. I was only on it for three months, but it was enough to change the chemicals in my brain and get me back into my program, back into my spiritual quest, back into my seeking this, this connection again, that I had when I landed in Bangkok, Thailand. So, you know, my son is like two years old and I think I've got this, I'm jumping back into my program and I'm searching and I'm seeking and I'm doing all the things right. But it just doesn't, I still am like, mm, something's just not right. And I, I kind of live in this like no man's zone for about four years where I just say, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Yeah, I'm fine. I was, uh, you know, I founded a big, uh, mutual aid meeting and I was, you know, like a cheerleader for recovery. And I would just say, everything's fine, but inside everything was not fine. My brain was okay, but my heart was not right. And I sat and got quiet on my mat and I said, you know, I really need some help right now. I really need some help right now. And I had this really, this girl in this woman, she's not a girl in early, early recovery. She couldn't stop drinking and she would call me and she'd say, I can't stop drinking. I can't stop drinking. And I'd say, well, why don't you, I'd, I'd like just, you know, why don't you call Susan? Okay. I'll do that. And then she would drink again. And then she would call me again and she'd say, I'm going to the dentist. I can't stop drinking and say, okay, well, um, call me when you're done with the dentist. And then she wouldn't drink for that hour and then she would drink again. And so finally I said, why don't you try meditation? And she was like, what? <laughs> but this is the conversation that changed my life. This is, this is one of the conversations that changed my life. This woman now is sober quite a, quite a while now. Uh, and she's got magical practices, but this, this program kicked off my deeper search for that presence that I talked about earlier. It kicked me into a deep dive search into the work that I do now, right? So I help women really de-stress, find calm, unwind, 
um, detangle their genes, their genetics, um, optimize them because what was happening in my later, you know, my later sobriety is that I literally felt like I was dying because my spiritual practice was not elevated, even though, you know, everything was fine. <laughs> like I, you know, everything was fine, but my soul wasn't being taken care of. So I dove in and really uh, started looking for a deeper connection with this presence. Since then, now I've been doing this work for, I think it's been like five years. It's been profound. You know, I don't feel like I want to die. Uh, I don't feel like I need to um, hurt myself or anyone else. And I'm, I'm happy. Like there is a calmness about me that I didn't know existed. And in that period, so this is another key thing that was really in that period of like, there was no more depression. Everything was fine. There was a little voice inside my head that was kind of negative. I used to call her negative Nelly. I'd be like negative Nelly, just shut up. Like she just criticized everybody. She was super judgmental. Um, just negative. That voice has drifted. Like, I don't even like gone right? That, that voice does not exist. There was a, my best girlfriend, she says, you know, Lane you used to have this angst about you. You're just always like this angst, this edge, this, eh, there's right. I don't feel that anymore. I knew exactly what she was talking about when she had mentioned this, but I don't have that anymore because right. Like five years ago, this girl who couldn't get sober, this woman who kept calling me, you know, that, that moment I said, why don't you meditate? Like that pushed me off the edge to find a deeper connection with this practice, which has allowed me to just soften the edges. Yeah. So it is my goal and my hope that I can share with you on a weekly basis, magical conversations or hopeful conversations, inspiring conversations that may, you know, push you or challenge you or ask you to grow a little bit more in your recovery. And wherever that may be, whether that's your 30 days in recovery, whether that's your 10 years into recovery, wherever you're at in recovery, I just hope that these conversations will bring you a little more delight that they may fill you up so you can be the best you can be. All right, I think that's a good starter. What do you think? It's good? You can find me over on Instagram, Recover Like a Mother, in, and at the website, Recover Like a Mother. If you'd like to join me in an episode, I would love to do assessments. They're kind of little life assessments uh, about recovery. They're going to be really fun. If you're a wellness practitioner helping other women in recovery, please connect with me. I want this to be be a community of thriving mamas. So I hope you join me on the journey. Thank you so much for listening. If this is of any interest to someone else that you may know, please share this episode with them. And reviews are always good. If you'd like to review, that would be always so, so helpful. So until next time, take good care. Bye for now. <laughs>